So if I had to outline the top five conflicts that women bring to me as a friendship coach, one of those issues uh, would definitely be this. I feel like we're in two different life stages. And one of the most common life seasons they're referring to is one friend becoming a mom and another who's not. And I don't care how close you are or how much history that you share. Let me tell you, that transition is going to be an adjustment. We did an incredible episode on this actually in uh, season two, and it's one of my favorites because we compiled several voice notes that women left us, whether they had kids or not, talking about how kids changed their friendship for better or worse. While a woman's entrance into motherhood may reshape her friendships down the line, some of that shifting begins as soon as the baby's born. And a lot of that change is determined by how her friends do or don't show up for her, at least how she perceives uh, that support or lack thereof. And this month, we're in our first series titled How to Support Your Friend When. And in this particular episode, we're focusing on how to support your friend when she's a new mom and specifically when she has postpartum. So in order to dive deeply and meaningfully into this discussion, I invited Dr. Angel Montfort. She is a psychologist who is passionate about perinatal mental health, and she was recently featured in Forbes as one of the women who is shaping the future of mental wellness. So I'm honored to have her on the show this week. She answers my questions about how we can support our new mom friends in the way that they need, not just the way that we want. She also offers subtle signs of postpartum so we can tell when to be on alert. And finally, she offers three to four specific things that you can do today to support your new mom friend that will honestly make you look like a freaking MVP. And you're going to want to steal these tips. Trust me. This is Friend Forward, the podcast. And if you're having girl problems, we got you. I'm Danielle Byer Jackson, a certified friendship coach, and I am here to help you through it. I'd like to kind of start with the fundamentals, um, but before we do, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into this work? Sure. So I am a clinical psychologist. Um, initially, it was just kind of on a general focus, and I worked in women's clinics. I've always gravitated to working with women. Um, so I worked in a large hospital, and I was the only at the time, I was the only parent on staff. So a lot of our patients who were struggling with anything related to postpartum would kind of be sent to me with the, with the assumption, I guess, that maybe I know a little bit more because I'm living it, I'm a parent, I'm a mom of small children at that time. But what I quickly realized is that what they were struggling with is, is different than sort of what you would just understand naturally because you have kids too, that postpartum depression, postpartum mood and anxiety disorders, they're different. Know from experience, I know from you know hearing things from women who send messages that it's a, a time where some of them feel very isolated. They feel like, you know, yeah, I know I have my partner, I know I have support, you know, physically if I needed it, but I still feel like I'm so alone in this space. So can you start by giving us like a working definition of what postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, kind of what they look like and, and what they mean? Sure. So postpartum depression is the onset of depressive symptoms that impact your functioning, your ability to get through the day, um, and that occur anywhere from birth through the first 12 months of postpartum. Now, often it's confused a little with the baby blues, which are just um, 
Also mood symptoms, you know, mood swings, some irritability, some sadness, maybe some tearfulness, but there, it's also interspersed with moments of joy and it's not as pervasive as a depressive episode would be. So with the baby blues, that's just occurring between birth and the first one to three weeks and it'll naturally go away on its own. You know, your body is shifting and changing, hormone levels are fluctuating, you're adjusting to having a baby in the house. And so baby blues happen, but they pretty quickly dissipate. So if what you're experiencing, um, if these depressive symptoms are going beyond that, then you're looking at um, a perinatal depression, a postpartum depression. Some of the symptoms of postpartum depression overlap a little bit with anxiety, um, but they are, they're pretty consistent with general depression as well. So sadness, overwhelming sadness, tearfulness, loss of interest in things that you used to enjoy, um, emotional detachment, even maybe from your baby, um, having difficulties with sleep, appetite disturbances. And these are kind of like significant appetite disturbances, significant sleep disturbances that are not accounted for just by having a newborn. Cause that's another thing I think it's hard to tease out sometimes is that having a baby can also bring about some of these symptoms where you're not sleeping the same, you're not eating the same, um, because you're trying to now work in a, a schedule also around this time human. So um, with depression, the things that I really like to look out for are how intense is the sadness? How often are you crying? Is it all day, every day? Or is it occasionally when you find yourself stressed out? Um, sometimes there can be thoughts of hurting yourself. Sometimes there can be thoughts, feelings of worthlessness, blaming yourself for things that aren't your fault, really kind of like emotionally beating yourself up. And there can also be some changes in memory. So where you're just not able to remember some of the things that you normally would, and you're, it's hard for you to concentrate um, or you kind of trail off in conversation, you can't remember, but it's happening. Again, the important factors are how much is it happening and how much is it interrupting your ability to live your life. And what do those conversations often look like for them talking about friends or loneliness or support during that season? The most important buffers for depression and anxiety also is social support and what we have in our friendships and what we have in our relationships. And so that's a really huge piece. One of the things that I hear often is that the support that they have is not quite the support that they need. And so, and other people in their lives have a misconception about what that looks like for them. So for example, if they are someone who has um, a partner and maybe they have uh, their parents in town, others may assume, oh, they've got a lot of help. I'm sure her mom is over there uh, helping her all the time. Or I'm sure, you know, her partner, whatever. We assume maybe that they're getting this help. Meanwhile, she may be at home. And then, so what I will hear in my office is that perhaps there's not a good working schedule at home between her and her partner, or perhaps her partner is working um, nonstop and really hasn't been given much of a leave to be at home. And so she's home all day with the baby and no one's coming because people think that someone else has it covered. Um, or perhaps she's not on the best terms with her mother. And so even though her mother lives in the same town, she's not active in her support network, like, you know, others may assume. So I think um, support networks are important. And if you have help that can be there and can be, you know, present on site, helping you throughout the day that, that doesn't feel like a visitor, that's another thing. Sometimes it's hard to have help. Um, even though you may have a lot of visitors, you may not feel like you have a lot of help. So it's not, it's support, but it's not quite the adequate support that you may need at that time. And that varies 
from person to person because there you may be someone who really thrives on having friends around you and close to you and having kind of like laughter and hands-on help or you may be someone who is very, very private and would like to, and it feels more energized and more cared for by having alone time and having your space protected. So it's really like getting the support that's adequate for you. Mm. It's so interesting that you're speaking to the assumptions that we make. Um, I find sometimes working with clients when we're talking through some kind of friendship issue, we often are making assumptions of what our friend needs, what she doesn't need, or her situation, and it's coming from a noble place. So whether we're not inviting a friend somewhere because we're like, oh, well, she's got she's got kids. Of course, she can't come, but she would have loved to have been invited. So um, what are some uh, misconceptions that you find that people often have when they learn their friend has postpartum depression? What are we getting wrong about that if I can be perfectly frank please I think (laughs) I think one of the biggest and most hurtful misconceptions is that oh maybe she wasn't ready to be a mom after all Mm -hmm. um you know and and that one cuts deep but sometimes people are confused you know why aren't you happy you or especially let's say this was someone who struggled with maybe infertility or um they've had, you know, maybe losses in the past. It's kind of like, there's this confusion sometimes that they then receive when they're struggling with postpartum depression where um, friends, and I think like you said, maybe coming from um, a noble place are kind of confused and they're thinking, but I think you should be happy. I would assume that you would be happy. Why are you not? Um, So that's one, that's definitely a misconception because struggling with postpartum depression or anxiety or OCD has nothing to do with your abilities to be a mom or your desire to connect with your child or anything like that. It is a complication of pregnancy and um, being in the postpartum period. Are there other little things that we can do or, or avoid doing that would be helpful to a friend who's kind of in that season? Yes, absolutely. Um, So in terms of things that you can do, and this actually brings up one of the misconceptions. So um, if you have a friend who maybe has multiple children, so I have four, and I think one of the misconceptions I ran into with my fourth was like, she knows what she's doing. She's got, (laughs) you know, four kids. Um, She's, I'm sure she's fine. I'm sure she's got it down to a science. And um, that's not always true. Every time you bring a new baby into the house, it's, it's a new thing. It's a whole new dynamic. So a way that you can support a friend who has maybe other children is to check in about how you can help with those children. So do you need someone to take them to school um, in the mornings? Do you have someone to take them while you're at the hospital or the birthing center? Um, Or even just asking, you know, I know that your middle one is in gymnastics. So would you like me to take her, um, you know, on Wednesday nights for you so you don't have to leave house again little things like that so actually being able to do hands-on help maybe with the older children because often the newborn is going to be pretty close to mom for a while so um, if you can do that would be great sending dinner of course you know we live in an age where it's it's pretty there are a lot of options in terms of how you could do that either you want to ask you know what is a good day for me to show up and bring you dinner or if you want to say, is there a certain meal delivery service that you like? Because I'll, you know, send you a gift card. And that's one less thing for them to think about where they can just quickly go on and they know, all right, my the money's already loaded on there and I'll just do, you know, this service from my favorite restaurant. Um, so I think definitely making sure that, you know, if, the, if dinner is um, an issue or maybe if they haven't already prepared that, that you can help with that. Um, things around the house, depending on the nature of your relationship. 
which is why I like your podcast. I think it can kind of help to shed light on what is specifically is your friendship with her? What level are you on? How close are you? Because if you're close enough, you can say, do you want me to come over? I'll do some laundry. I have time on Saturday morning or something like that. Or when do you have time for me to come over? Um, or you could send her things like that as well. Cleaning services, send out laundry services are great because that a lot of that is happening during this time that the baby is sleeping and others may be assuming, well, she can sleep when the baby sleeps. Well, no, not if I have all these loads of laundry to do, not if I have to do the dishes, clean up, make dinner. So if you can take some of those things off of her plate. Mm -hmm. I think when you said, you know, what, another thing to do emotionally is to make space for her emotions. So to be able to say, how are you feeling? And usually she might say, go to the physical, like, oh, I feel kind of tired. Uh, like, you know, I'm sore here. That's, you know, that's good. And that's good to make space for that and talk about that. But then like, you know, how, but how are you feeling emotionally? What's your mood been like? Um, to really let her know it's okay, you know, to talk about that. And then to, on the other side of your question, what not to do, not to dismiss that. It's hard to sit with when people tell us I'm not doing well. We kind of want to say, well, it'll get better or, well, you know, let me try to kind of like solve it for you right now. Um, but a lot of times if you're able to just listen and to ask them more about that, you know, tell me more about how you're feeling and what is bothering you about the way that you feel so that you can maybe direct her toward if you know local resources or online resources, Postpartum Support International is a great one, um, that you can even maybe do some of the legwork in, oh, I found a couple of therapists in our area. You know, Earlier you said maybe you needed to see somebody or you can ask, would you like me to help you find someone? If you have a relationship with um, this person's partner or another close friend or someone who's like on site, even asking them, how is she doing? And I love that you're speaking to, you know, considering a lot of the, the mental labor, maybe some of us feel like maybe, you know, I, I'm not equipped to, to help her because I don't know the first thing about babies. My friend's the first one to have a baby in our group. Um, or, you know, she's really strong. I'm sure she's got it. Or she, I love your point about, oh, she already has a kid. She's done this before. Like, what can my little old support do? So to hear you talk about, you know, what are the other things required of her that she's now trying to juggle and how can you offload some of those things is just so, um, is so helpful. Those are such great, tangible, tangible tips. And, and my hope is that for women listening, you know, two things, one, my prayer is that women who are going through it hear this and they hear you speaking to how you've, you know, helped so many people with this and it helps to normalize their feelings for them. Like, oh, okay, I'm not alone in this. And maybe I do need to communicate my need for support to my friends. Um, and I also hope that, you know, women who have a friend who's going through it, maybe her, her ears are perked a little bit right now. Like, wait a second, you're describing my girl right now um, so that she's not kind of dismissing things she's saying or discounting it as just a part of being a new mom. And I hope that both parties listening are kind of having that, that realization right now. Is there anything else you feel like we should know about, um, about postpartum? Yes. So if you, even if you don't see any of the symptoms we talked about, because some Sometimes it's hard to recognize them if you're not with her all the time. Um, if your friend says something like, I'm, I'm just don't feel like myself or something doesn't feel right, even if you don't know what that is, and even if she's not sure what that is, that's worth exploring more. And when you're asking those questions, if you can, even if it's on FaceTime, look into her eyes and let her know I'm listening to you. And then listen to her tone of voice, really like pay attention, you know, 
Like, it's like what I say with my clients, like, I need to get eyes on you. I need to see you um, because I'm really going to try to take in what is happening with you right now. So I think that's important for our friends as well, because sometimes it's like the baby's so cute and you're just looking um, there <laughs> as opposed to really like paying attention to her on a, on a, in a deep way. Um, and the other important thing is to, if you can do this stuff before the baby comes and ask your friend, like, well, how do you want me to support you when the baby gets here? What are we, you know, in advance? Um, what are some of the like gaps and holes in your support network and how can I help you fill them? It's a lot easier to sit and have that conversation. Ladies, Dr. Angel Montfort is so clearly an expert and has such rich insight. And I'm so glad that she was able to lend her voice to this conversation. If you want to follow along with her, then be sure to follow her on Instagram at Dr. Angel Montfort. That's M-O-N-T-F-O-R-T. And she has something really big that is coming out uh, early 2022. And her followers and subscribers will be the first to hear about it. All right, ladies, as your new official friendship coach, here's your homework listen closely. For those of you who have friends who are new moms and you're trying to figure out what to say to show her that you're not just well-meaning, but you're also in tune to what it is she might need, I want you to write this list down. This comes from a recent post on Dr. Angel Montfort's uh, Instagram page, and I want you to make sure that the phrases and questions and remarks you make um, are in line with what I'm about to read. So here's a list that kind of goes from the list of things that we typically say and what we should be saying instead. Instead of asking, when can I come over? Try, how can I support you? Instead of asking, girl, why are you feeling sad? You should be feeling grateful. Ask, how are you feeling? What's bothering you the most? Instead of, why don't you just sleep when the baby sleeps? Try, what day works best for me to send you dinner? Instead of, why haven't you called me? Try, do you want to talk about it? I think it's so powerful to have her list out for us the things that we typically say, feel, or think, and how we can better package them to maybe communicate the same message, but instead showing our friend that we want to show up for her and to make her feel seen, heard, and prioritized. Because it's seemingly inevitable in almost every female friendship at some point. And so I hope that this is helpful to you either now or in the future. In the meantime, you know that I'll be here rooting for you always on your ongoing journey toward better female friendships. Until next time. Music.